the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Of everything we've done, niching down has gotten us more cases than anything else. We've gotten calls from lawyers we've known for years and never gotten a case from before. And as near as we can figure, it's because they are PI lawyers. And they looked at what we used to do and said, these are my competitors. And now they look at us and say, these guys only do nursing home cases. They're really good at it. They'll make more money for me if I refer them the case, co-counsel the case with them than I would on my own. Run your law firm the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. The show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. Hey, Jimmy, what's going on, bud? Oh, Tyson, I know you're deep in the heart of trial, and I know you got a lot going on, so I'm really excited that we get to record while you're halfway through a three- or four-week trial. Yeah, it's, uh, it's long. It's tiring. We're in the second week. It's, it's going really well, though, so I'm excited about getting it done. That'll, that'll be my favorite part of the entire trial is actually the day we end, so... For those of you that have never been in a trial that long, it is just exhausting, as you can imagine. Take whatever trial that you've ever done, you know, a lot of times they're two, three, four days. Multiply that times four or five, and that's what you get. So that's it's exhausting. But, you know, we also, and you're in Detroit, so you're also really busy, but we have a really awesome guest. He's a listener of the show, but I've actually been wanting to get him on for quite a while. You want to tell who it is? Yeah, so we have listeners in Luxembourg, we have listeners in Namibia, but we also have this little group of a lot of listeners in Ohio, and I think a lot of that is in large part because of our next guest, Will Eady. Will, welcome to the show. Great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, so Will, tell us a little bit about just why you started a firm. Well, I was at one of the bigger, more established plaintiffs injury firms in town. I did everything from dog bite to med mal to stewed one of the biggest manufacturers, global manufacturers in North Carolina. And it was exciting, a lot of good lawyers there, but I really wanted to focus in and I wanted to implement a lot of ideas I had about marketing and development and just found that, you know, in an established firm where I wasn't at management level, that wasn't really feasible. And so a friend and colleague of mine there and I decided to strike out on our own and really focus in. And now we have this ED Hill trial lawyers that is 90% nursing home abuse 
Uh, it's really our focus. That's our focus in marketing and, and development of cases and content. Uh, and then my partner, Michael Hill, also does some stroke and heart attacks. So some medical malpractice, but very, very niche medical malpractice. And just gave us an opportunity to kind of implement all the talk that we've been talking about and I guess live or die by what we've been, you know, kind of thinking about and complaining about. Will, how did you go about picking a niche and, and are you happy with your niche and, and how do you market your niche? One of the main things I credit with our success to date, uh, and we only started in February of this year, so 2017. So, you know, I, I hope we're having such a happy conversation five years, 10 years, 20 years from now. What led to picking nursing home abuse was getting involved in those cases. I'd done some trucking litigation too, and both of them are very heavy in federal regulations, which I do a very rules of the road, reptile type trial strategy, which are just kind of the new ways of talking about old ideas. And those federal regulations give you a blueprint. They give you a framework of what should be getting done versus a lot of medical malpractice is very soft. It's very, what's the latest journal say? Is that adopted yet? And you can always find an expert to say yes and one to say no. And so you end up in the soft middle where you're suing a doctor and, and people like their doctors. People don't have those kind of illusions about nursing homes. And you have this, this built-in set of rules. You have generally corporate Often the ones I'm suing are, are quite greedy defendants, and it's set up just a, a great framework for cases that you can work up and try. And I guess the third piece, the third leg of that stool, is that people undervalue them. Uh, they undervalue the cases, particularly in our community in Ohio. I've just found people don't ask for juries for much money. People are skeptical about the value of a case when you're dealing with an older person, particularly if they weren't very mobile or or had some cognitive decline. And our belief was that jurors would get really upset by that. And so we had a couple cases and, and one real big trial where my partner and I got to kind of put that on the line and asked for about 10 times what the highest value of other lawyers were putting on the case from a jury and got it. And so we really felt that kind of proved our principle and jumped in with both feet. And in terms of, I got to say, we actually, I've got 10,000 words of truck litigation content and I've got, we've got MedMal content for every type of case. And just before we kind of, you know, we just went live and decided, you know, do we really want to be doing trucking cases too? They're great cases. They're, you know, I, I, I know a lot of great trucking lawyers, but could we really be the trucking lawyers and the nursing home lawyers and the medical malpractice lawyers? And we decided early on, no. And so we, we literally just took down the trucking content altogether, and we've recently removed all of the medical malpractice menu links. We didn't quite have the gumption yet to pull down the actual content because some of it's ranking pretty well, but we got rid of the links. And I got to tell you, it's the best thing we've did by far. Of everything we've done, niching down has gotten us more cases than anything else. We've gotten calls from lawyers we've known for years and never gotten a case from before. And as near as we can figure, it's because they are PI lawyers. And they looked at what we used to do and said, these are my competitors. And now they look at us and say, these guys only do nursing home cases. They're really good at it. They'll make more money 
for me, if I refer them the case, co-counsel the case with them than I would on my own. And, you know, just being able to put nursing home abuse lawyer in my email signature block, being able to make that the focus of our, our content and social media has made, I think, a huge impact. So really happy about it. It's, I think, a coincidence that we were able to do that so easily because we didn't have a big trucking practice built up. I'm sure it would be a lot harder. I know you guys have pared down, but you already had a lot of cases of that type. And we, we certainly had a few, but not many. So it was a lot easier for us to jettison it when there wasn't kind of money on the table. But it was a great decision, I think. I love how much thought you actually put into actually niching down. That's really great. It's a great example of, of all the things you, you, th- you thought about actually removing the links from the website and everything else. It's really, really great. I want to ask you about something else you probably thought a really long time about, and that's actually choosing to go with the law partner as, to, as opposed to going on your own. Can you go through that, that decision-making process and why ultimately you decided to go with a partner? Yeah, uh, and, you know, i got to tell you, I, I think about right now, how could I do this? On a regular, probably a weekly basis, I think, boy, how would I do this if I were alone? Michael and I were office neighbors. We would talk through the wall. We would holler out. We would, you know, walk in each other's door and, and jaw about cases. And that dynamic certainly helps me. I know there's people out there crushing it as a solo, and God bless them. But when it comes to doing jury trial work, you're always second-guessing yourself. You're always wondering what people are going to, you know, what a, a regular non-lawyer folks are going to think about your, what you think are great ideas. And being able to, you know, bug my partner before a big deposition or sit down and do a strategy session has been fantastic. Uh, and what we realized after we went out and we're kind of now smaller fish for now versus the bigger firm we were at, we've been talking with a lot of other folks who are who are smaller or usually solo. And what we've learned is most of the really successful solo lawyers actually have, I guess, ad hoc partnerships. They have a core group of three or four folks that they try cases with. And they might be in different firms and it might be a different combination of them. But, you know, some of the guys we looked up to who were solos, we take them out to lunch. We were, you know, when we started out and picked their brain a little bit. And we realized they not only tried cases with other folks, they were interested in doing that with us. So for me, I need that. I need someone to bounce ideas off of on a regular basis. Sometimes we have to tone it down so we actually get more work done. But I think if if folks are out there all alone and they feel alone about it, even if you're not able or willing to take on a partner, I'd highly recommend talking to other folks who do what you do and being generous about the info you have, and I think it'll be returned. Well, I think that's a great piece of advice. Hey, listen, what have you learned having just started last year? What what mistakes do you think you made, or what, what were, have been your biggest learning opportunities? I'll tell you, I think, and I, I was thinking about it last night, thinking about coming on today. I was thinking, how did I start listening to Maxwell Lawyer? And I, for the life of me, I couldn't recall. But it's this show... Uh, has been really illuminating and that you've got a more established guy and a kind of, you know, younger guy. And you're used to thinking, Hey, if you, if you start out from the beginning and you're nimble and you can do whatever you want, yeah, that's easy. But once you're established and once you have a bigger practice and things going on, you can't be innovative. And it's been really 
refreshing to me to see you guys and the interplay between you being nimble between you guys. I think John Fisher's book, which really just was a big giveaway of information and some of the Facebook communities, yours, you know, there's a few others out there that have really been opportunities to hear what other people think and get, get information around the country. And I'd say getting outside of my geography helps because the people just do things differently and they tend to do things the way folks around them do it. And so when you can surround yourself with people who, who don't just say, yeah, but that doesn't work in Ohio or that's not how we do it and who challenge you a little bit, whether it's marketing or practice, you know, I have a nursing home group I'm part of through our national association, American association of justice. And that's been invaluable. I mean, it's crazy what some people are doing in other States. And when you bring it here, blows people away. And, you know, I spent probably an hour talking with a judge at a settlement conference last week, just educating her about how these cases work when you use certain types of data that are available that attorneys around here don't tend to use yet and all these other things. So I think associating with other folks and being open to what they're doing and trying to give back in some way to the extent I can has been probably the most beneficial part to me. And one thing I learned that I think people are missing that is because we started fresh, we had to write a whole website, right? It wasn't, how do I fix my website or what should I do next? It was, I have no website. That the internet's really weak out there, that, that lawyers are really weak on the internet. And I think people think the internet's over or they missed it or the big firms are taking everything. But I got to tell you, Google's smarter every day. Google only cares about the user experience, and that's what small or nimble firms who listen to shows like this and are out there reading books and trying to be creative, that's what they're good at, is coming up with a better customer experience, coming up with a better system. And I, I really got that I think Google will reward that type of thinking in a way that at least the folks I know on the SEO side don't really preach to lawyers. And maybe that's just because we're easy marks or we're the problem. We're too limited. But, you know, right now we launched a website in February of this year and we are ranked number one for probably five out of 10 things we care about. We launched another website just about stroke malpractice. And actually we talked, my partner and I were talking about stroke cases and they're pretty complicated. They're pretty expensive. You need a lot of experts. And we, we said, is this, you know, let's just constantly rethink, is this where we want to be? And we said, we can't get away from it. Our stroke website's doing so well. We're getting calls, you know, not every day. That would be crazy. But once a week, we get a new case from that. And when you're talking about a, a debilitating stroke case, that's, that'll, that'll outpace our volume and our capacity pretty quickly. So those would be my two things is associate with others and, and try to get information, particularly out of your geographic area. And I think people need to take a, another look at, at Google and their website and think about how they can build that out in a better way. I don't know about you, Jimmy, but that, that gets my blood going. That, that, that pumped me up, especially whenever you're willing, you're talking about actually, you know, the, the internet's weak or soft and that the, you can go out there and actually attack a lot of angles about it. You know, Google's smarter. That's, I think that's a lot of really good information to really get people thinking, you know, get out there, be active, do things. I do want to ask you, though, you're fairly new. I mean, your firm is fairly new. So what what are some of your struggles that you're having? Our immediate struggles were capacity. 
we had a lot of clients and cases at the old firm, and we didn't want to burn bridges. We didn't want to make a fight out of it. There were only a very few clients that really fit with what we were doing and wanted to stay with us, didn't want to transition to different representation, which was great to start with a few cases, but very quickly, and it's it's a great problem to have, niching down meant we were getting calls constantly uh, from other lawyers within the first week of announcing it because we announced that we were a nursing home firm. We announced that. And so we were getting these cases coming in, which was great, but it was two guys in an office. And so I think building up those systems so that we could handle the capacity and then immediately what to do, do we grind where we're doing everything from answering the phones to assistant and paralegal work to trying cases, or do we figure out a creative way of outsourcing that because we didn't have the ability to hire five people immediately. And that, you know, they say limitation can be a driver, right? And for us, that meant outsourcing was the only viable option. And now we preach it, that we've got, we don't answer our phones. We outsource that almost immediately. We, our case manager lives in Richmond, Virginia. We're in Cleveland, Ohio. She's a virtual assistant who is amazing. And as we're growing, you know, we need some dedicated paralegal support. We decided, we took a look at it and decided why would we hire someone? Why would we restrict ourselves locally? You know, if, if our case manager can sit in Virginia, I don't want to be managing paralegal work individually. I want her doing it. Uh, so it doesn't make sense for the paralegal to sit next to me if the person managing her is in Virginia. And so that's how, that's our growth strategy. The only person we have who needs to be on site is somebody who comes in a couple times a week, uh, does all the mail and scanning and, and a few in-person things. And basically that's it. Uh, we've been growing by, by outsourcing. So that was our issue. And I think it's turned into somewhat of a solution. Long term, I think we'll probably have a paralegal, a dedicated local trial paralegal. But for the foreseeable future, we'll be trying our cases together anyways. Uh, so that's that's less of a concern. It's another reason to have two people. I mean, it's it's great to know that we can go into trial and split things up because trial is just, I mean, Tyson, you know, trial can be overwhelming. So being able to have somebody else to kind of say, hey, can you handle this piece and can we do it in a creative way that will actually help the case if you take all the damages, witnesses, and, and help put the family story on and I can be the one going after the nursing home corporation. And it's just a nice fit that way. We're talking with William Eady. He's a nursing home litigation specialist from Cleveland, Ohio. Will, I love the passion. I love you calling out some of our listeners. The Internet is not dead. Lawyers are still doing a really bad job on the internet. It is not it is not too late to get involved with online marketing. I just checked out your website on my phone. It looks tremendous. I think you've just done a great job, and it's a clarion call to all of our listeners to really get off your butt and stop telling yourself all these, no, I can't do this, no, I can't do that. Will's out there doing it. I love it. Will is a passionate member of our Facebook group, and he has strong opinions, which he's not afraid to share. Recently, we had a, an interesting discussion about the Internet and about Google SEO, 
and someone was asking whether they needed an SEO specialist. And Will, you had some some strong thoughts on that. I was wondering if you could share those with our listeners. Yeah, I, I just don't think there's such a thing as SEO anymore. SEO is kind of what was created by Google not being good at being Google yet, where if you just use certain terms, if you use them enough times, and they've gotten better and SEO's gotten better, but at some point you have to step back and say, who can talk to my clients about their needs and wants and desires and concerns and fears better than me? And there are some people who are doing that, you know, Annika from, from Chuck Wake's office, you know, but she's in-house. She's crushing it because she's part of the firm. And I, I'm sure there's great people out there who can write amazing copy and, and, and would learn about your firm. But I think you'd have to pay them so much to do that, that if you're not basically hemorrhaging money into marketing, I don't understand why you wouldn't do it yourself. And let me give you a quick example. If you Google assisted living, negligence lawyer, or lawsuit, or any of those kinds of terms, our website's going to come up first page, and depending on where you are, it'll be ranked number one. And we started that in February. But And I challenge your listeners to Google that and click on the link for ED Hill, because if you take a look at that content, it is probably 8,000, 5,000 words, something like that. Actually, it might be less than that, but I need to grow it. It's got a ton of questions being answered. It's very detailed, and that's the only reason it's ranking. We don't have any link building going to it. We're not doing any AdWords. We're not. In fact, the only little bit of link building we did, to be candid, it's some of our worst performing pages. I don't know why. I don't know if it was a bad choice for those people, but we stopped it. And if you look at the other top results, and I challenge you, listeners, to do this in their own practice area, in their own community, uh, you know, Nursing Home Abuse Lawyer, Cleveland, Ohio, and you click and you open the top 10 results, they're garbage. They're three paragraphs. I mean, the biggest firm in town, there's a firm in our town who pays for ads at Ohio State games, football games, if you can imagine that, how much money they must be spending on ads. Their pages are terrible. They're three paragraphs. They don't get specific. They basically do a little song and dance, and then they call us. So I think if people just looked at what's out there, they'd be shocked at how bad, not just their own content is, which is what the advice they use, are go look at your content and, and realize it's terrible. But it's all terrible. So there's a real opportunity. If you're willing to spend a day or a half day, you can create one long page that will rank in your community. And you can use, you guys have mentioned some of the tools. I tell people, use answer the public, type in your search term, and it will give you between 20 and 200 amazing questions to answer. Uber suggests will fill in all the autocorrect that Google does when you type in, you know, I typed in pressure ulcer the other day, and it gave me great stuff. Uh, or stroke, it'll give you great stuff. And then open the top 10 pages that Google already ranked and take anything that's good there from all 10. And what you're going to be left with is a piece of content that every Google's already told you, this is what people want to know about. This is what I already think is valuable as Google. And now you're 10xing that. How does Google not rank you for that? I mean, it's, it, it seems so simple, and yet it's easy not to do. Like people, for some reason, are still not doing it. So I'd say take advantage of that while you can. Our listeners, Jimmy, can take that last 
I don't know, two minutes of content and then walk away from this episode and be happy. Because that was, Will, that was great. That was a really good piece of information. I mean, I, I really appreciate you sharing it because it, that's going to be extremely valuable for our listeners. So I really do appreciate it. Um, and I, I have an idea what your answer is going to be to this, but I just want to hear what you have to say. What would you say is your one, your one, just your one biggest piece of marketing advice to attorneys just starting their firm? So I, I would say niche and content, and that sounds like two things, but I think they're one and the same. I think pick one thing to be good at and then be great at it, and and the marketing works itself out. You know, it's not just what should I do. You know what you should do. You know what your all your content should be about. You know what you should be introducing yourself as. I mean, how many times do you go to a social function or a, a business networking function? It's great to be able to say, I do nursing home cases. When I say I do personal injury or I do plaintiff stuff or, you know, people look at you like, okay, great. When you say nursing home, I've had Uber drivers who pull over the car and say, you know, my mom had this issue or I've got a cousin. I mean, it just resonates because it's specific. So I'd say it narrowed down, let it go, have that, have that abundance mindset and believe that it's, there's enough out there for you and you'll be surprised. I think you guys are both examples of that and the guests you've had on have all been examples of that. So I, I know there's a lot of internal resistance and I probably had it easy because I, you know, we had a new firm. So if you were starting from scratch, but I think that's how people should look at their firm. Even if it's a staff, what would I do if I were making this today? What would I do if I were starting right now? And then you know where you want to be. Well, I love the idea of, of longer content that Google likes. I was watching a webinar with Brian Harris from Video Fruit the other day, and he was talking about having, instead of so many little, small little articles, having these sort of major pieces that really sort of plant our flag in the ground and let people know who we are and what we're about. So I, I really like that. We're coming up against the end of the show. I wanted to ask you about one other incident that happened at your firm last week, and that was when local media was looking for a nursing home litigation expert and they came across your firm. Can you tell our listeners that story? Yeah. There's a local reporter at our major local newspaper, The Plain Dealer, John Coniglia, who has been writing about nursing home cases along with a, a partner of his. And my partner, Michael Hill, has kind of developed somewhat of a relationship with him. And it was really by virtue of giving away information. I don't know how John got to Michael. I think it was because we had that big verdict in a couple of cases. And I got to admit, I was a little jealous. I said, why is he calling you? I'm supposed to be the nursing home guy. But Michael gave away everything. We spent a couple hours with this guy a few months ago and then didn't really get much or any mention for a few articles. And then finally something came out and was great. And then it died down for a few months. And then Michael got a call from him out of the blue that said, hey, you know, I'm doing this article on nursing home regulations because of everything that happened in Florida. You know, I, I, I need to know and I need some information about whether nursing homes in Ohio are required to have generators. And if so, you know, what, what are the rules about that? Can you help me out? And Michael pitched it over to me. Uh, he said, John, you really ought to talk to Will. And so I talked to the reporter for a little bit, got the info, and I said, well, what's your turnaround? What's a reasonable time? And I expected him to say, you know, oh, like sometime tomorrow or the next day. And I was already thinking in my head, okay, what can I move aside tonight to get this done? And, and he goes, how's, you know, it was 11 o'clock. He says, how's one? I said, okay, I, I'm not doing everything I thought I was doing today. 
And I jumped on it and just, you know, it's not that hard. We're trained to do that kind of stuff, figure stuff out. I knew all the regulations already. I just, I don't often focus on generator issues. Don't come up a lot in my cases. And I shot them over, you know, the supporting documents, the regulations, and a kind of a narrative with some quotes from the regulations that I thought would fit. And I was thinking about the help a reporter out PARO model, which I haven't really used much. But what I'd read about that, about trying to make it easy as possible for the reporter to use the quotes. And so I, sh- I shot it over to him and he said, thanks. He called me for a quote, asked me if you know he could use a quote. I said, sure. And I was the second quote and the second link directly to our website from the, the big article that went out, which was terrific. And it really is by virtue of being willing to help these guys out and not press them too hard, guys and gals who are reporters who have tight deadlines, and then eventually they kind of circle back and can see you as a trusted resource. And we've gotten, we put that post on Facebook, and I'd be interested, you know, I'm, I'm, I already got some good feedback from folks, including Jim, on the Facebook group. But we've gotten, I think today, and we boosted that on Facebook for probably 30 bucks, I want to say. And we've got, it's been shared, you know, over 20 times. We've got quite a few comments and likes. It's one of the, for our Facebook page, it's certainly blowing away our our normal reach. So we've got, let's see, 106 comments or likes, I'm sorry, 76 clicks, 26 shares. So we're thinking right now, in fact, my partner and I, we set aside Fridays for marketing and firm development. We're already thinking we got to set aside an hour or two to figure out how to replicate this. We're not going to be able to get an article every time, but how do we replicate this kind of engagement on Facebook on a regular basis? Really good information. Uh, We're about to get to our tips and hacks of the week because we're up against the time. Before we get to that, I just want to remind everyone to check us out on the Facebook page, request to join there. Lots of discussions going on, especially William Eady's involved in that quite a bit. Also, Give us a five-star review on iTunes if you like the show or wherever else you get your podcast. Jimmy, you want to give your hack of the week? Yeah, my hack of the week involves a friend of the show who's actually coming on the show next week, attorney Mitch Jackson. He runs the Legal Minds Mastermind Group, and I've been a member of that group for a couple months now. It's a fantastic resource. I get a lot of great social media ideas. Mitch is reopening the program to let new members in. So if anyone wants to know about that, be sure to tune in to next week's episode. And you can look at it for yourself right now at LegalMinds.Lawyer. And William, do you got a tip for us? Yeah, I recently encountered a person, uh, her name's Cy Wakeman, first name is C-Y and then Wakeman, uh, on another show. And she's a drama specialist in the business area. And what that means, as near as I can tell, is how to realize how your ego is affecting your perception of the world. And it sits right in with this whole idea of feeling abundance around you and being sharing. And she's got, she's got a show called no ego that I'm just powering my way through. And I'd, I'd certainly recommend for anyone who is either feeling down or feels like stuff's against them or feels like this is a tough world as you can do when you run your own business that you check out that idea and check out her show No Ego as kind of a, a way to boost your feelings about everything and, and kind of incorporate that into your business life. Really good stuff. All right. So I was going to recommend a book. I'll hold off on uh, recommending that until next week. 
I want to recommend something based on something that uh, Will had said. So he was talking about how a certain marketing channel, I think it was AdWords, was getting him some bad clients. And so my tip is to go through your caseload now and identify, and if you, if, you, if you don't know this now, you need to start tracking this. You need to go to your database and see where all your clients are coming from. And if you identify a trend where you're getting bad clients, just just eliminate that marketing channel. We did that, something similar with the marketing channel last week where we just decided to cut it out because it was just it was getting us clients. They were just the biggest headaches that we had, so we just stopped using it. It was working, but it was just they were the lowest value cases. They were the, the clients that called all the time. And I experienced the same thing with AdWords whenever I did AdWords long ago. So if, if you have a marketing channel that's just not, that's maybe it's making you money, but it's causing you a lot of headache, just cut it out. You guys got anything else? Oh, great show. Thanks for coming on, Will. That was a fantastic share. Thanks for having me, and thanks for doing this show and giving all this info away. It's, it's really invaluable. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.